Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I didn't think far enough ahead to incorporate Mother's Day into our message this morning, but but the closest I got is I have a little story about the mother country, about England. In the 1650s, a man named Oliver Cromwell was ruling as Lord Protector over England and Scotland and Ireland. Cromwell ran into a problem shortly into his reign, though, as as the silver mines in the country began to run out. And as the mines closed down one by one, he knew that he had to do something quick. He had to find some new source of silver so that his government could continue minting coins. So Cromwell put together this committee of men and sent them out through the nation to look for a new source of silver. And after about a month, they came back and they reported to him that they had failed. To their dismay, they had found not one bit of silver in all of the land except in the cathedrals where the the statues of the saints had been cast from the highest quality silver. Excellent, said Cromwell. Let's melt down the saints and get them into circulation. (laughs) And that's, that's the same idea that we see in our message today that God has for us. Let's melt down the saints and get them into circulation. The difference is that the saints God is talking about are not statues in a cathedral somewhere. The saints God is talking about are real people. And not just people like Moses or Peter who maybe wrote books in the Bible and spent their entire lives publicly proclaiming God's word. The saints God is talking about are are people like you. Yes, you and I are saints. The word saint really just means a holy person, someone who is set apart by God. And, And that, brothers and sisters, is what we are, a chosen people, chosen by God for salvation and chosen by God to to preach his word. Our text this morning starts with the word, therefore. And if you think back to last week, our text last week started with the same word, therefore. Whenever we open up a passage of scripture and and it starts with that word, there's a question that we need to ask ourselves. And maybe you've heard pastor ask this question before. It's, what is the therefore, therefore? Because you see, therefore is a pretty important word. And if we skip over it, then everything that's going to follow isn't going to be as clear as it should be. Grammarians will tell you therefore is a conjunctive adverb. It's a connecting word. It serves as like a, like a set of hinges on a door that connect the door to the wall. You could say that the section that we're reading today hinges on the section that we had last week. So I think before we can dive into today's text, let's look a little bit at what we learned last week. That message centered on these words from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. You know that it was not with perishable things 
such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. It is through Jesus that we have been made holy. Through Jesus that we have become saints. And it's, it's through him that we are redeemed, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through Jesus and through his resurrection, we have received that living hope. A hope which, as we learned last week, has made us strangers in this world. Because that hope points us to a world that is yet to come. A world which focuses, which centers on Jesus. It says, so as we go about our lives in this world, people are going to come up and they're going to try to to stop you. To get your faith, your hope to waver. To get you to give up on Jesus and, and let him go. And that's why, therefore, Peter tells us, because Jesus redeemed you with his blood, because you are a child of God, because you have this living hope and and that makes you a stranger in this world, because of all those things, then therefore, he says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Okay, so what does that mean? Now he's talking about babies and milk. But I think that's something we all understand fairly well. A lot of us here have babies. Some of you had babies. And and I think it's safe to say that everyone here was a baby at some point in their life. And the concept of babies and milk is not unfamiliar to us. For a decent while, babies can survive on one thing alone, milk. And what God is saying to us is that, like babies, there's only one thing that we need to survive. It isn't milk. If you got that, we should probably go back and and read through it again. What God is saying, the one thing needful for us to survive is his word. This is your pure spiritual milk. This is the one thing you need to survive. This is the thing that you should be craving. The thing is, we aren't exactly like newborns, are we? When a baby is born, it instantly knows that what it needs is milk. You don't have to teach a child to start craving milk. The, the moment it's born, it already knows it. It's, it's ingrained in human nature. It's instinctive. That, that baby simply knows that that is what he or she needs. But we aren't born with a craving for spiritual milk. There's nothing in our nature that, that wants God's Word. In fact, by our human nature... As soon as we get a taste of it, before we can even get a taste of it, we, we spit it out. 
We abhor God's word by nature. We, we discuss it and we'd much rather try and get by on our own with all the, the filth and the garbage that the world has to feed us. We don't have a, a natural craving for this word of God. That's what the therefore is there for. Because Peter knew he couldn't just start out his entire letter by saying, crave pure spiritual milk. Because the only reason we can ever do that is because of all of these things that that he's laid out for us in chapter 1. Because we have been made children by our Heavenly Father. Because we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We didn't crave it. We didn't want it. We didn't choose it. God chose us. Jesus chose to redeem us. God chose to make us His children. To give us a new birth and a new life so that this time, born of the Holy Spirit, we have a craving for spiritual food. And that's not because of anything that you or I have done. But simply because He loves us. He loves us and so He chose us, chose you for salvation. Not because of anything I have done, but simply because He loves me. God chose me for salvation. Give you just a moment to to think about and, and reflect on that thought. When people start looking for a church, what is it that they're looking for. I think a lot of the time it's the, the building itself which is a pretty, pretty big draw. If we can get the lights down, I'm going to show you a couple pictures here of, of some churches that it might be pretty neat to go and, and worship in. This is La Sagrada Familia. It's a basilica in, in Barcelona, Spain. And then here we have the Crystal Cathedral in California. And this last one is the the Mormon Temple in Washington, D.C. Some pretty impressive looking buildings. And and sure, it it would be neat to worship in a building that large, but it's not what's on the outside that counts, is it? It's what's on the inside. And, and fair enough, but even if you go inside some of these buildings, they're still fairly impressive. There's not a whole lot of people in this world that would tell you that instead of worshiping in a massive and beautiful, complex building like one of those, that they would rather worship in a church that looks like that. But I would. And I think the Apostle Peter would, too. 
And, and here's why. I think we can get the, the lights back up now. The reason why is that God tells us in his word that, that how you build a church is actually very important. But we can breathe a sigh of relief here at Cross of Life because he isn't talking about a physical building. He's talking about the spiritual church, church with a capital C, if you will. And God tells us that that church is built out of living stones, out of people, people with living hope. A church is not worth going to, God tells us, unless it is built upon the foundation of pure spiritual truth and upon the foundation of Christ, our cornerstone. God doesn't tell us to crave some impressive building. He doesn't tell us to to crave happy, familiar people. He doesn't tell us to crave a a pastor who is a very well-developed speaker or, or easy to listen to. He tells us to crave spiritual milk. That's the one thing he tells us to to look for in our church. So, how is your spiritual appetite? Do you feel that craving for spiritual milk in your lives? Is Is that what draws you here on a Sunday morning? Or is there is there more to it than that? We have a tremendous blessing here at Cross of Life, we get to come together each week and dig into God's Word and explore the mysteries of of God's love and grace for us. And and I ask myself sometimes if if that's what's really getting me here. Is Is that really what's drawing me here? Is it my craving for the Word of God? I'd like to say yes, and I think you guys would like to say that too, but I think if we're honest... There are some times when that's not the case. Are, are there not times that you find yourself here on a Sunday morning simply because that's what you do? It's Sunday, so we get up and, and we go to church because for some of us, that's what we've been doing now for quite some time. We're not worshiping here in a, in a giant cathedral or a massive temple. That's been a great blessing for us too because for each and every one of us here, there are so many opportunities to serve here at Cross of Life. You can help by, by setting up before church or taking down afterwards. You can run the audio, the visual. You can play a musical instrument, lead a song. You can help with the refreshment table or, or the nursery. You can even help by, by leading the service or preaching the sermon. So many reasons for us to come here on a Sunday, but don't let that be the only reason you come here either. This is going to sound a little funny. Don't come to church to serve your God. Come to church to let your God serve you. Before you walk in through those doors, Take a moment to say a prayer to your Heavenly Father and ask Him to open up your heart to be filled with the wonderful message 
of his gospel. That your sins have been forgiven. And that you have been given the righteousness and the holiness of his son, Jesus Christ. When our hearts are filled with that pure spiritual milk, only then can we go about those acts of of service in a proper fashion. And and that service is vitally important. So I I can't really say don't, don't come to church to serve your God. Because the two, serving God and being served by Him, are inseparable. God has chosen you, His his chosen people, chosen you for salvation, but also chosen you to be His servants. His royal priesthood, we read in the lesson. He's chosen you to preach His Word. Peter wrote it this way, God has chosen you that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Christ has saved me, taken my sins away and replaced them with His holiness, drawn me out of darkness and brought me into His wonderful light. What am I going to do with that light? Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. You are saints of God. Don't be statues of saints like those statues we heard about in the story earlier. Put yourselves out into circulation. Like Peter says, live such good lives among the pagans, the unbelievers, so that Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Come to church to serve your God. Live your lives to serve your God. And remember that that letting your light shine, proclaiming the praises of God, living the gospel in your lives is going to make you a stranger in this world. That means people will think that you are strange. But the cool thing about strange people is that they get a lot of attention. So crave spiritual milk. Fill your hearts up with the gospel to the point that all of those people who are watching you, when they look at you, see instead of you, your Savior, Jesus Christ. Live your lives in such a way that they may come to know Him through you as their Savior. Brothers and sisters, your sins are forgiven. You have been redeemed with the blood of Jesus. Therefore, grow. Grow in the living hope of Christ. Grow in your salvation, filling yourselves up with the spiritual truth of the Bible, the spiritual truth that tells you about your Savior, Jesus. Brothers and sisters, your sins are forgiven. You have been redeemed with the blood of Jesus. Therefore, go. Go into all the world 
and proclaim the wonders of God's gospel to everyone who needs to hear it. Grow and go. It's not something that we can do by ourselves. It's not an intrinsic part of our nature. It isn't an instinct that we have. It hinges on the grace of God. That grace is a sure thing. God has made you His children. He has chosen you to be His chosen people. Chosen you for salvation and chosen you to preach His Word. He did that through the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus. May that same Jesus keep you steadfast in His Word and make you strong to live according to His will. Amen.